we've already mentioned, we're going to be taking nominations this month. And so we're preaching uh, this series on officers in the church. And so as you think about uh, who you might want to nominate, um, we want you to be thinking about uh, the biblical uh, qualifications, both for elder and for deacon. We also want you to be thinking just about uh, the nature of, of the work that those offices have to carry out. Uh, my hope is that you would have high expectations uh, for your officers uh, here at Redeemer um, or anywhere else, um, any other church you might find yourself in at some point. And uh, even if you're just visiting this morning or, or if you're not even a Christian, uh, we hope to, to put before you a picture uh, of godly uh, leadership. And that you'd see that faithful uh, leadership and in, in service to God and independence on Christ. It really is, uh, it really is a beautiful thing. And so our passage this morning is from Acts 20. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, um, it's printed for you there uh, in the bulletin. This is Paul's only speech recorded in Acts that's actually delivered uh, to a Christian audience. And he's speaking specifically uh, to elders here. So follow along with me. Uh, this is Acts 20 verses, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 17 to 38. Now from Miletus, he sent, that is Paul, uh, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he'd said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him. 
being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that you would bless it to our hearts this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So goes the leadership, uh, so goes the church. Um, Todd said that last week. Uh, You might hear that if you're around Redeemer for any length of time, but it's not a phrase or it's not an idea uh, that's original uh, to Redeemer. Uh, Certainly um, an ancient concept. Um, Edwin Freeman in his book called The Failure of Nerve says, uh, this principle holds true from parents to presidents. Uh, You can observe it uh, in every facet of life that a player's uh, discipline Uh, It will not ordinarily exceed uh, the discipline of his coach. Uh, A child's character will not ordinarily exceed uh, that of his parents. Uh, And a church's maturity, uh, it will not ordinarily exceed uh, that of the elders. And so who should you nominate? Uh, You might ask, what kind of church do you want Redeemer to be uh, in 20 years? Who would you like your children to grow up and be like? Uh, In Acts 20, uh, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He stops in Miletus and he asks uh, the elders at Ephesus, uh, some 60 miles away, uh, to come and see him. Um, He had ministered uh, alongside them for three years prior to this. And so what we see is that this is basically uh, a farewell speech. He knows he's not going to see them again. And you could summarize what he has to say to them as, take care of the sheep, do what I did. Uh, As he pleads uh, with them to care for the people of the church, he reminds them of his own example, as he calls them, uh, to these duties and responsibilities. And so as we look at Acts 20, what I want us to consider together is what is the function uh, of an elder? What exactly as an elder is supposed to do. I think, I think if we understand the work, it'll help us make sense out of the qualifications uh, that we find in 1 Timothy uh, and in Titus. It might even help us to understand ourselves a little bit better um, about why we're the kind of people uh, who need elders. And so as we look at Acts 20, I'll, I'll also be making reference um, to those passages in your insert in 1 Timothy and Titus. So, so you want to hang on to that. Uh, what is the work of an elder. Uh, First, we see an elder is a shepherd. Uh, Paul is uh, addressing uh, the elders. They're they're called such in verse 17. But if you look down at verse 28, uh, he calls them overseers and says that they are to care for the church, uh, which he also calls uh, the flock. And that word care for is usually translated uh, shepherd, uh, shepherd as a verb. Uh, in the rest of the New Testament. And these all, all three words, they're basically interchangeable, elder, overseer, and shepherd. They all refer to the same person, uh, to the same office. But the dominant image in the Bible of church leadership is that of shepherd. Now you can think of David uh, as the shepherd king, or of course Jesus. He's called the chief shepherd In 1 Peter 5, he's called the good shepherd uh, in John 10. Eldering is shepherding work. Uh, It's about feeding and protecting and comforting the sheep. 
uh, healing uh, wounded sheep, uh, tracking down stray sheep and going and finding uh, lost sheep. Uh, what, what should be obvious to you is that it's not about uh, prestige uh, or status. Uh, verse 33, Paul says he is not after their gold. Uh, that's why the qualifications include not being uh, greedy for gain, not, not being a lover of money. Shepherds live their own lives for the sake of the sheep and not for themselves. And it's not just because they're nice people. <laughs> uh, it's because they understand that sheep are people who have been purchased uh, by the blood of God. That means they belong uh, to him. It also tells us we're the kind of people who need spiritual care. It's what we need. And so elders uh, are shepherds. We also see elders are teachers. Paul talks about uh, declaring and teaching and testifying in verses 20 and 21. He speaks about repentance toward God and faith in Christ. He calls it the kingdom in verse 25 and verse 27, he says it included the whole counsel of God. Uh, what Paul taught was the gospel. And so 1 Timothy 3 says an elder must be able to teach. That doesn't mean uh, that he has to be an eloquent speaker or have the kind of communication skills that can hold the attention of a room. Uh, not, not all elders are teaching pastors, but an elder must have a firm uh, grasp of the gospel that's grounded in the scriptures and combined with the love and the courage to speak it, both in public and in private. If you're a sheep, uh, you need the care of an elder that looks like declaring, teaching, and testifying the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then applying it to your life. Not just reciting the gospel, but helping you grasp uh, its depth and its relevance to all of life. Uh, there's a certain kind of person <laughs> that I call good at school. Um, kind of person that sits in the front row and, and raises their hand a lot, maybe. Um, but they, they think that the path to knowledge is about memorizing all the correct answers. And they might even be mad if the teacher won't give them uh, a study guide. Uh, but able to teach here, it's not about uh, a kind of theological purity for its own sake. Uh, we do not need elders who like to just talk about what they know and the books that they've read. Uh, able to teach is about feeding and protecting sheep. We need men who want to build up the church. And so notice, uh, Paul's emphasis here, it is not on accuracy and theological depth. Although I'm, I'm quite convinced he had plenty of both in his ministry. Uh, what he emphasizes here is the urgency and the courage of his teaching. You see that? In verses 20 and in verse 27, twice, Paul says, I did not shrink back. He was a man of conviction. Uh, that means he said uh, what needed to be said to whomever needed to hear it. Not without love, it was with humility and with tears, but he spoke like his words mattered because he knew that they did matter. Because the gospel matters. And by implication, uh, he had some things to say that might have been 
difficult to hear. Uh, They might have been difficult for him to say. Things like, no, friend, you cannot do that. Or maybe something as simple as, you are a sinner. And apart from God's mercy, you stand condemned before him. But there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness in Jesus. Uh, Sheep face dangers from inside and outside the church. And so elders, they must not shrink back from speaking the truth in love. An elder is a shepherd who is also a teacher. Uh, The third thing we see is an elder is a model. Uh, For Paul, uh, the life of an elder is just as important as the things that he taught. And so he tells them, pay close attention to yourselves in verse 28. This is why most of the qualifications are actually about the character of the elder because an elder often teaches more by his life uh, than by the things that he says. We actually see that uh, in two different ways. An elder's life is a, a model before the world. So we have several requirements about reputation. He must be above reproach. He must be well thought of by outsiders. I, uh, <laughs> Nan and I had somebody over for dinner the other day um, who I believe is uh, 25. And it just became very apparent to me that I am totally unaware of what the latest social media trends are as we were talking. But I'm still on Twitter. I don't know if anybody's on Twitter. Uh, but it's, it's still a thing that people, people put in their little mini bio on Twitter. Opinions are my own and not the views of my employer. That always makes me laugh a little bit because I think we all kind of intuitively know uh, that the Fortune 500 company is not really responsible for the opinions of its latest hire in the mailroom, and nobody would would hold them to that. Uh, But the flip side is true, too. It doesn't really matter what the CEO's byline says in Twitter. Uh, Everything he says is connected to the company. He can't really get away with having a little uh, disclaimer. Well, the church is no different. Uh, The church has always been evaluated by its leadership. Uh, This is why it's such a tragedy uh, when pastors and elders have public uh, moral failures. Uh, It calls the credibility of the whole institution uh, into question. It just, uh, just as an aside, that, that's actually what the requirement that he be the husband of one wife um, is really about. Uh, it's not so much about trying to figure out if he's ever had a divorce in his past or not. Uh, in the first century, a new Christian might well have had uh, three wives and considering the circumstances, the most loving thing to do would probably be to keep his vows to all three of them. But that would mean he couldn't be an elder. You see, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness is for everyone, no matter what kind of past uh, you have. You can be welcomed into the fellowship of God by his free grace. But the gospel, it doesn't erase your public reputation. And so polygamy is not not really uh, the pressing issue of our day. Uh, But there are some sins that carry significant public 
baggage. It doesn't mean they're not forgivable, but it, it may mean it may mean that a man can't represent the church. And so we have to consider the public reputation of men that we nominate uh, for office. Uh, Paul is also just as concerned with the elder's life before the congregation, not just before the world, but before the church that he serves. First uh, Peter 5 says that elders are to be examples to the flock. Hebrews 13 says that we should consider the outcome of our elders' way of life and then imitate their faith. You see, the reason an elder has to be sober-minded is because you're supposed to be sober-minded. An elder ought to be self-controlled because you ought to be self-controlled. He needs to be hospitable and holy and disciplined because that's what you're supposed to be like. Christians should be able to learn what maturity looks like by watching their elders. And so a leader in the church isn't someone who just tells other people uh, what to do or gets to make decisions about what the church does. He's a man that demonstrates what is possible by faith. Uh, He shows you by the example of his life what you can be in Christ. And so an elder is a, a teacher and a shepherd and a model. And lastly... And I really think in some ways you could sum up the other three all in this fourth one. An elder is a father. It's obvious as you read Acts 20 that Paul uh, loved these men and that they loved him. Uh, They're in tears uh, as he leaves them. And it's not just because they thought he was a great teacher. Uh, They loved him because he uh, was a father to them. He even calls himself a father uh, in the faith in several other places uh, in the New Testament. And so if you've ever wondered, why is there this this qualification about managing your household well, both in 1 Timothy and in Titus? Well, the logic is that the tasks are actually similar. Uh, That there is an analogy uh, between the father and the household and the elder uh, and the church. That how a man carries himself out in one place actually gives you a picture of how he's going to do it in the other place. And further, Paul makes it clear, one of these jobs is harder than the other one. Uh, It's not that being a father in the house is easy, but if you cannot manage uh, your household, you cannot be expected to serve the sheep. Uh, If eldering is like fathering, uh, well, that means it's more uh, than maintenance. It's about taking responsibility, not just for the survival of the sheep, but for the growth and maturity of the sheep. In verse 18, Paul says he lived among them for three years. That is, he didn't just, he didn't just write letters from his office. He spent time with people. His ministry was not just public, but he calls it from house to house in verse 20. And then down in verse 31, he says, He did not cease to admonish night and day. Uh, Elders devote time with people. Uh, We do not need uh, men who can run organizations or executives. Uh, We need 
fathers in the church. Up to this point, uh, it's simply been assumed, uh, but I think it's worth it uh, just to say it uh, clearly. Uh, In the Bible, elders are men. And they don't just happen uh, to be men. They they must be men. Uh, The husband of one wife can't be a woman. And so we can acknowledge and we should acknowledge uh, that there have been uh, many and sometimes uh, egregious uh, failures by all male leadership in the church and yet still embrace uh, God's design and say that it is fundamentally uh, good. Now, the solution to those failures is not to scrap the design. Uh, It is first, I'll say again, to be careful who you nominate. Uh, Is the person you're thinking of, um, how do they talk to women? How do they talk about women? What do they think of women? But secondly, we have to embrace God's methods for actually dealing with sin. And so again, we need men who will not shrink back from speaking the truth in love. Now, if you've been paying attention, uh, this is an incredibly high standard. (laughs) Um, I've been thinking quite a bit about that as I have been preparing uh, this sermon this week. And we we need to admit, and we shouldn't be afraid to admit, that we often uh, fail to meet these standards. And yet we don't get to just throw the standards out then and say, well, I guess no one can really uh, meet these. The qualifications, they do not come out of thin air. They're given to us by God uh, in his word. And so that means they're they're just not negotiable for a Bible-believing church. Four out of five is unqualified. Uh, It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian or that even a very uh, upstanding, respectable Christian, uh, but it means that you ought not to be an elder. And so how are we supposed to deal with such a high bar? Well, Paul, Paul, as he's leaving, um, he, he did not leave the elders in Ephesus to secure the good and the future of the church uh, by their own strength. Uh, If you look down at verse 32, it's near the end of his speech here. He says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, he trusts these men and their work to God himself. Uh, Both current and future elders at Redeemer are not left to themselves, but to the God who calls them to care for his sheep. Because the elders are also sheep. The gospel that they proclaim is for them too. Elders must have their hope firmly rooted in the gospel. We do not need men who think that Redeemer could really use their help. Uh, We need people who know that apart from God and His grace, they are nothing. Uh, Men who know that they live by mercy alone and men who want to model dependence on the Savior. 
And so Paul's final words to these elders are to say, remember what Jesus said? It's more blessed to give than to receive. You see what he's saying? This verse is not about uh, how to think through uh, gifts at Christmas time. Uh, He's telling these elders that they need to depend on Jesus who didn't come to be served but to serve. And as they depend on him, they are empowered to imitate him. Paul's parting words, the last thing he ever said to his friends in Ephesus was to remind them that the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep and as they trust in him, they too can give themselves away. Christ still rules his church uh, by his spirit. He teaches it by his word. He empowers it uh, by his intercession. And he cares for his church by giving uh, gifts to all its members uh, and to its elders. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you uh, that we can entrust ourselves to you. We pray that you would care for Redeemer Presbyterian. And we pray that you would uh, watch over us, uh, not, not just in this uh, nomination um, process, uh, but for the next uh, 50 years or 500 years. God, we pray that you would help us all to learn what it means Uh, that it is better to give than to receive. Help us all to consider uh, that the great shepherd of the sheep uh, was glad uh, to lay down his life for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.